Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmoke, joined by Lance Meadow, who somehow snuck into the building <laughs> despite my best efforts. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Uh, all right, guys. I let's... was brought into test security today, by the way. How'd it go? Well, clearly unsuccessful, considering <laughs> I'm in the building. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, so, Lance, you came in so we could watch joint practice against the Jets today. Um, I was excited about it because, as we've talked about a lot, you know, these preseason games, we haven't had a chance to see the Giants go up against any starters. <laughs> I mean, really? Any, Pretty much. Any starters, right? So, we had the chance to see that today with the Jets here. And I thought it was just fun to see them play against another team in a competitive environment. Now, the Jets did not play all their guys. Uh, Quinn and Williams didn't really do anything. Carl Lawson did a couple of one-on-ones, but I don't think he was in team much either. Uh, R- Rankins didn't do much. Another one of their talented yep. defensive tackles. There might have been a couple others, too. You can you can add to that. But um, other than that, it, w- it was it was good to see, and I think it was just good to see them going, going up against a different scheme, too. You know, instead of that Wink Martindale scheme, a different, you know, kind of that old-school cover-three type of Seattle scheme, which is very different than what Wink Martindale does. And it was something that Brian Dable and Dexter Lawrence both talked about, John, the fact that they knew today would be a good test because you get tired of going up against your teammates all the time. It becomes very predictable, so this gave them a refreshing look. And I think, specifically from an offensive standpoint, the guys that took advantage the most were probably the wide receivers because you did have Sauce Gardner out there. That's the one player you didn't name, and the reason why you didn't name him is because we actually saw the rookie cornerback for the Jets, and David Sills was tested against him. He mm-hmm. had an in-cut. He beat him on one. I thought that was probably the best work as opposed to, to your point, the trenches where you didn't really see a lot of the front-line guys for Gang Green today. Yeah, and look, uh, it was funny. You know, we're sitting there. We're not the media afterwards, and Dable, head coach Brian Dable spoke today before practice, and Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence, you know, uh, talked after practice, and we're sitting there, and one of the media members asked Daniel Jones, like, hey, did you realize that you were like 15 or 15 or, or didn't have an incomplete pass until an interception late in practice? And he's like, no, I didn't. And i got to be honest, I didn't notice it either. I don't know. You know, like, oh, you're really hitting your stride. This is a great day of practice. And, yeah, they were completing a lot of passes, but the passes were also a lot of just underneath type of, you know, check down, dump off type of thing. So was the offense efficient? Sure, but was it like explosive making plays all over the place? It wasn't either. And that's why I think when people compile like completion percentages for practice and stuff like that. And when, My favorite. And then when people come out, by the way, and we're, we're being fair here, right? Because when, when people report what a guy does at practice and it's bad, we're like, guys. There's context to all this stuff. Well, now people are reporting, oh, it's fantastic. Well, there's context <laughs> to all this stuff. So, yes, great the ball to hit the ground a whole lot, but – Again, the nature of the throws is also important to note when you do the evaluation. Yeah, we're not talking about home run throws. That was not the bulk of practice, to your point. So a lot of it was in close vicinity. Daniel Jones was dumping it off to the running backs. I mentioned the in-cut to David Sills. And hey, you got to work on that stuff. You're going to see that during Mm -hmm. a game. You're going to work a drive where it's methodical up and down the field. It's not going to be 30, 40-yard passes. So we're not saying there's no value in that, but... 
let's not make it sound like they were trying to carve them up 50 to 60 yards down the field. Now, in fairness, though, John, from what I observed with the Jets' offense Mm -hmm. going up against the Giants' defense, okay, if we flip the script, because just so that our viewers and our listeners understand this, they were on two separate fields because it was offenses against defenses. So when I was in the middle, I was trying to keep an eye on the right side, the left side. Yeah, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. You hope that they cooperate on one side. They don't run their play until the other play is over. But from what I observed... With the Jets' offense, Flacco was taking some chances yep. down the field. I thought Adoree Jackson got some great work against Garrett Wilson and Jeff Smith, for example, were two guys that were targeted a lot, and I thought Adoree held his own. You had Gilbert, the young secondary player for the Giants. He was beat one down the left side of the field. But all in all, I actually thought the Giants' secondary was really put to the test because Flacco wasn't necessarily utilizing within 10 yards to throw the ball. Agreed. Yeah, the the Jets did not make a ton of big plays down the field. There was one play where they threw it deep to Elijah Moore, and he was complaining about not getting a flag, and he kind of gave up on the route a little bit. That was the yeah. deep pass on the right side of the field. Flacco seemed a little scattershot to me, to be honest with he you. Did. He was kind of – the passes were kind of all over the place. I got to be honest with you. They were. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There was actually a few that were in the vicinity of Adoree Jackson, and there was no play to be made. Bottom line was it essentially went into no man's land, which if you're the Giants' defense, hey, that's fine. You don't necessarily have to make an opportunistic play, but I agree. Flacco seemed a little bit shaky and from what I observed. By the way, maybe that means there weren't guys open. So he said, I got to throw, throw it away Correct. or yeah. put in a place where no one can catch it but my guy, and then it's not going to be an on-target type of deal. So More of the latter, I would say, than the former because you're always dangerous when you're throwing the ball onto the playing surface, mm-hmm. you could end up getting picked off. He sort of put it in an area where he knew, you're right, there was no harm. It's funny, this is the first time I've been up close with Joe Flacco, like on a practice field with him. He is freaking gigantic. Oh, yeah. Like, I knew he was tall, but, like, he is, like, like he's built like a like an edge player. Like, he's probably 250. He's a big cat, man. Whew. Which is why I'm kind of surprised that he was irritated when Lamar Jackson joined the team. Remember, they would line him out wide as a wide receiver. He couldn't stand that, John. <laughs> know, but he hated it. you would think he's built to actually maybe absorb a hit or two yeah, here or there. But doesn't mean you, you, you can be built to. doesn't mean you want to. 100%. There is a distinct difference. Yes, there yes. is. Absolutely. Uh, so I mentioned the offensive line. There were a couple the one-on-ones there. There are a couple of fun matchups. Carl Lawson went up against Andrew Thomas. Oh, that Andrew Thomas had a nice job against him. Kind of, you know, I think one thing Andrew Thomas has gotten better at here, Lance. One, he doesn't get beat with those quick inside moves anymore, which is kind of what plagued him as a sure. rookie, which he's kind of gotten over that. And when guys try to beat him outside now, he's become very adept at keeping his feet moving and pushing that defensive end out and wide around the quarterback. And that's what, you know, if you look at the way the Patriots have protected Tom Brady over the years, how did they protect Tom Brady? Well, you push him out wide around the quarterback, the quarterback steps up in the pocket, makes the throw, completion. So I think Andrew Thomas has become very adept. So even when these speed rushers maybe get half a step on him or get a little bit of an advantage on that outside shoulder, he does a great job of moving his feet, staying balanced, and just pushing that player out back and around the quarterback. Now, Daniel Jones has to have the pocket presence now to feel that step up. But I think he's done a much better job of that Andrew Thomas as he's gotten more experience. And this goes back to also what you were talking about earlier where because of the Jets' defensive alignment, they weren't necessarily going for long, deep passes. Now, part of that also is a way to, A, protect your offensive line, mm-hmm. getting rid of the ball, but B, think about the Buffalo-Kansas City model that we've been talking about all offseason. It's designed to get your guys out in open space and let them get a chunk of yardage after the catch. So that will be a big emphasis and a big focal point throughout the course of the regular season. Not necessarily a bad thing to simulate that during the course of practice, but to your point, I didn't think that there were many moments over the course of today's practice where Daniel Jones was under siege. He was under pressure. And part of that was, once again, I thought he was getting rid of the football very quickly. But Brady, who you were referencing, there were years in New England, John, where he had either a banged-up offensive line or he had offensive line issues. And everybody would talk about, well, you never discuss that in New England. Why? Because Brady is so natural in getting rid of the football quickly. And it's funny— I don't know if you saw this. Kurt Warner was actually on social media, not to get off topic, today, and he was focusing. I guess he'd been studying film recently or there'd been a conversation about what's the best way to protect the team where maybe the offensive line play is not where you'd hope it would be. And Kurt was saying it's not to have your quarterback run around in circles and go for the mobile guy. It's getting rid of the football quickly. So I was thinking of that because it pretty much is right in line with the conversation that we're having based on what we saw against the Jets today. 
Yeah, and I thought of the Giants' pass rushers. Obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau's not out there because of the, the knee yep. injury that he's recovering from. But I thought Aziz Ojolari was very active. I saw him get in the backfield a couple of times. And even, frankly, when Thibodeau's been out there, I think Ojolari, to me, still looks like the team's most explosive pass rusher, at least in my opinion from what I've seen. Well, he has more experience, too, yeah. on the NFL level. So you would expect it to be that way until Thibodeau gets his feet wet a little bit more on the NFL level. The other thing, speaking of Ojolari, that we should mention, John, and I did not see it. I don't know if you observed it, but supposedly he got shaken up at the very tail end I did not see of that. practice. I yeah, did not see that. Because Dexter Lawrence was asked about this at the early stages of his press conference, and he was asked whether or not there's any concern, and it doesn't seem like there's any concern. We have not officially received word from the team at all, but he was a bit shaken up, and I think this was more at the conditioning aspect at the tail end of practice. It wasn't on a play where he was Got actually it. going up against the Jets. It was They were running a little bit because they were supposed to run a two-minute drill at the end. They scrapped that. Robert Sala and Brian Dable said, hey, we got enough work in, and it looked like when he was running up and down the field that he had pulled up lame initially, but... From yeah, I don't what know. I gather, I it doesn't it. seem to be serious. I just know that I'm sure a lot of our listeners may have seen some tweets from reporters that cover the team, and Dexter Lawrence was specifically asked about it, but at this point, I don't want to speculate. Hopefully, yeah. it's not anything that's going to be long-term. Yeah, I honestly did not. I was probably right hidden inside at that point yeah. once they start doing Yeah, they were supposed to do some conditioning and then do a two-minute drill at the end of practice. It was, yep. Folks, it was hot out there today, man. It oh, was yeah. like in the low 90s. The sun was like there were no clouds. It was hot, so... I understand why the coaches would want to err on the side of caution there. And the Jets actually had an injury, too. Cornerback uh, Justin Reed? Not Justin Reed. DJ Reed. DJ Reed, thank yes, you. DJ Reed. DJ Reed. He, he pulled up on a play in, in the red zone drills for the Jets. He's a very important player for them. So, Oh, yeah. Um, and a that, veteran player that's been in the NFL for a second. Again, not that the Giant fans are all that concerned, but those are the only injuries. Oh, I should point out, too, we talked yesterday, and I didn't realize it. I guess Josh Azudu did participate in portions of practice yesterday, according to other reports. i got to be honest with you, folks. I didn't see him out there. I watched one-on-one drills with the O-line and D-line yesterday and today, and Azudu did not participate in those. So I think once I didn't see him in those, I just assumed, all right, I guess he didn't practice. But I guess he was in and out with the first team at left guard at points during practice yesterday. So I just wanted to make sure people knew that because I gave some bad info yesterday. Yeah, from what I gathered, he was alternating at left guard yep. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But once again, you know, that doesn't mean that a guy is full go and specifically has the green light if there was, let's say, a regular season game. Right. I mean, that right now is a little bit speculative from I, that standpoint. There was some other injury stuff today. Sterling Shepard did not really participate. Understandable, coming back from the Achilles injury, competitive practice, you want to be careful. I think it reinforces the fact that the odds him playing on Sunday are extremely small, which is not a surprise. We talked about that yesterday. But Kadarius Tony did do some, remember, he was just individuals yesterday. Today, they ramped him up. He did do some more competitive stuff, so it was good to see him out there doing a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's great to see the group overall slowly start to come together. I mean, look at the calendar here, John. It's August 25th. Before you know it, we're going to have a regular season game. And here's the thing. With Sterling Shepard, Tony, I would say, it's more valuable to get him out there in a game setting, perhaps, or ramp up practices a little bit more because he doesn't have nearly as much experience. Mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard, he understands what it takes to get his body ready to go for the regular season. If he doesn't play in a preseason game, I don't think it's the end of the world. I would argue, though, I do think with Tony, it could hold a little bit more substance, though, John, in comparison to Sterling Shepard. Yep, yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I mentioned the Andrew Thomas rep against Evan Neal. There was also a Jermaine Johnson Jr., Rep against Evan Neal, he kind of went with a power rush, and Neal got pushed back a little bit at first, but then he anchored at the end. But I thought that was it was fun to see those two guys. Boy, sure. Johnson looks yeah. he looks explosive, man. You know, we talked about it. we loved him on tape. Oh, I yeah. think I had him as a top ten player. I think you did too. I did indeed. Yeah. So you know, I, I think, think he's the steal of the first round. He's going to continue to say that. I totally agree. He's going to yeah. be good, man. Yeah, he's going to be good. The Jets, remember, they traded back into the first round, mm-hmm. John, to get him. That was their third first round pick. He had f- fallen much further than I think most people had anticipated. So no surprise that I'm sure he's carrying a pretty large chip on his shoulder entering this season. And by the way, one of Tony's catches, he did catch a crossing pattern against Sauce Gardner in 7-on-7. I'm just going through my notes here to see what else happened. Uh, Oh, yeah, the Giants' new tight end. Caught a deep pass for a touchdown. Yep. Um, Tanner Hudson. Tanner Hudson. Thank you. I, yep. I wanted to say Tanner Houck, but he's the uh, closer <laughs> for the Red Sox. Uh, well, Tanner hey, he Hudson. may catch a pass here or there, but he certainly yes. wasn't a Giants practice. Correct. Yeah. So uh, Tanner Hudson, the Jets basically decided not to cover him. 
Yeah, he was boy. as wide oh. open as wide open could be, running down that About seam. About a year and a Sunday to make that yeah, throw. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned uh, Aziz Ojolari had a sack. Carter Coughlin had a sack um, at, at one point. Ojolari had a tackle for loss. Um, the Giants, did, they had the red zone, the first red zone draw, did not see a touchdown. A couple interceptions for the Elijah defense. Elijah Griffin had one of the interceptions. Yep, that was in red zone. It was a slant that was thrown a little bit behind the receiver, and I think it might have hit the receiver's hand a little bit, but a good job by, by Griffin coming up with it. Yep. And then later in practice, Avery McKinney Correct. had an interception as well. I'm trying to remember what the circumstances on that pass was. It was also, I believe, in a red zone session because McKinney was running the ball all the way down the opposite end of the field, so they were definitely in their red zone yeah. setting. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe I got it mixed up. I think the McKinney play was the slant, and it deflected off of him, if I remember right. And I'm trying to remember what the Griffin was. I'll have to go back and look at the video and remember exactly what that was. But yeah, two picks for the Giants' defense. And I think, to your point, Lance, I think the biggest takeaway of practice for me was... I thought the Giants' secondary handled themselves pretty well against a very talented wide receiver core. Yeah, I would put that right atop the list, and then secondary would be just the receivers getting at least some good work against, mm -hmm. for example, Sauce Gardner. But this was our first opportunity to see a Dory Jackson and company go up against receivers that they're not used to seeing on a daily basis. And just to give everybody an idea, the Jets, you had Corey Davis out there, you had Elijah Moore out there, you had Jeff Smith out there. Garrett Wilson was, Garrett out, Wilson there. was mm -hmm. out there. It wasn't as if the Jets were holding their yep. receiving core back. And Michael Carter, Brees Hall, they were all yep. out there too. Mm -hmm. They're running backs. Mm -hmm. And even the tight ends too. I didn't see a play by C.J. Uzama, but I know Lawrence Cager, one of the guys on the Uzama back end. Uzama might have got banged up at practice the other day. So he um, was not taking part? I, okay, that's why I didn't want to speak out of line. I didn't necessarily I did see not, whether or not. I did not notice him, but I was not watching the Jets tight end. So I don't know for sure, because but I did not notice him. The reason why, I only saw Cager make a play, or at least right. be targeted. Mm -hmm. That's why I wasn't sure whether or not Uzama was taking part. But all of those wide receivers were very much out there. Now, Elijah Moore, he was getting some catches and then you know trying to run after the catch. But for the most part, you didn't really see a lot of big explosive plays or... And once again, remember, there's limited contact in these settings. They're of not course. bringing them down to the floor. But you even still get an idea, John, whether or not somebody's out of position or would have been caught in a precarious spot. You didn't get that feel from anybody in the Giants secondary today. One of the things I want to bring up, and this is very important, how about the fact that the Jets have a player named Rashad Wild Goose? <laughs> that's a great name. That is a fantastic name. And it's not like that's like the first name. We're like, all right, well, we're going to be weird and name our kid Wild Goose. No, that's like that, that, that's the last name. Wild yeah. Goose. It's pretty good. We'll see whether or not he can make the roster, though. He's a little bit behind in terms of yes. the uh, secondary position. But I was I'm, I'm like, since I saw the jersey run by me, I'm like, what? Yeah. I thought it was like a joke at first. I had to look at the roster. <laughs> There's always those great names in football. Yes. Geese are nasty. Like, you don't want to – like, if oh, you, no, if, if no, you no. get a goose yeah. in a bad mood, no good. No, no good. I can't say I speak from experience, but I'll take your word no, for it. No, dude, in the, the park across from my house, it is infested with Canadian geese. They is actually it? have a okay. car that goes around that's called, like, the Goose Chaser, and they have a dog, <laughs> and they chase the geese out of the park. Now, is there a pond in that park? There is. Okay, because I was going to say, why are there? There is a stream there... and a pond, yes. Gotcha. But they like to walk okay. around. And w once, like, during the mating season, when they lay their eggs, and if you go anywhere near that nest— Oh, they're protective. Yeah. They get the window— <laughs> They make sure. that weird. Oh, it's yeah, no, no good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if wow. Wild Goose can have that type of defensive instinct, I think he's got a real shot. Yeah. I mean, we're really taking it deep yes. to a whole other level here on Big Blue <laughs> Kickoff know. Live. I'm sorry. You know, this is what happens know, when you have a joint practice, and you know, no, the observations are limited. We nah. start examining names. F fans are probably getting annoyed at me. So let's get to the calls. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Live Nation presents Concert Week now through May fourteenth. Get twenty five dollar tickets to over five thousand shows. That's up to seventy five percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh and Two Door Cinema Club. 
4513. I also want to remind Giant fans that season tickets are still available for the 2022 season. Only a couple weeks to go, folks, so get in there. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Pearson is still uh, attending family business, so we will take your calls cold and blind and See how it goes. So let's go to line one. Caller, you're on the air. What is your name, and where are you calling from? Go ahead, caller. Going one. Uh, Garrison, go for What do you got? Hey, can y'all still hear me? Yeah, we hear you loud and clear. Absolutely. All right, cool. How, how are y'all doing today, Lance and John? We are doing very well, and we are all ears to what you'd like to throw our way here on the program. Yeah, what do you got, Garrett? Yes. Uh, yeah, I was going to call in earlier, but uh, I was busy with my new daughter being born. So, oh, um, congratulations. Talk about the game. Uh, thank you. Yeah, she's my third child. Um, so, I wanted to talk about the preseason game, like not in general, but um, how do you think it would be with the Giants if we finished 3-0 um, in the preseason? Do you think we'll get respect from the league? And is it good morale for the team going into the regular season? I could see there being some morale in the locker room, the feeling of winning games, and they've won a couple close games at the end. Maybe it'll give you some confidence if the game's tight and late in the fourth quarter. But, Garrett, here's the bottom line. In the big picture, you can go back in history, and there are some teams that have gone undefeated in the preseason, and then they go and they go 2-14 and 14 in the regular season. So they're really, and, and I, I mean this literally, there is zero correlation between preseason performance and regular season performance. Zero. Yeah, not much to yeah, tie in. That's, that's understandable. Um, my second question, uh, I know I've heard uh, y'all talk about John Feliciano uh, coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Nick Gates comes back, do you think he's going to be starting over Feliciano or do you think he's going to be behind him and learning reds? Because I know Feliciano doesn't have much behind center. No, I mean, Feliciano played center a little bit in Buffalo, but you're right, Gates probably has more in-game snaps uh, in terms of that. But Feliciano was at practice today. He was doing a little bit. I did not see him in one. I'm looking at my charts for the one-on-one drills. I did not see him in the one-on-ones. My guess is that that's going to be determined. Well, first of all, Nick Gates actually yeah, has to get back the season and be on puck. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know you're not going to have him for at least the first four games. And, and, and you important word, okay. at least. It could be more than oh, that, sure. depending on how yeah. it goes. So that's, that, that's important to note. Number two... I think it's going to depend on how John Feliciano is playing. Like, if he's playing well, he's going to stay in there. Like, they're not going to take out John Feliciano just because Nick Gates is back. And remember, Nick Gates hasn't played in a football game yeah. in a while. So uh, I think I think whatever you get out of Nick Gates this year is a bonus. Uh, I think he's made an unbelievable recovery. I think it's great. I love it. He's a great dude. I'm very happy for him. But I think any high expectations for him should probably be muted a little bit just because of the nature of the injury and then the length of the comeback. I was going to say, I think if Feliciano yeah, does struggle. Well, you're talking about Nick Gates? Or we're talking about early last season when he broke uh, his leg Nick against Gates. Washington. Yeah. yeah. Hmm? Oh, so it was last year with Washington? I uh, can't remember. Yeah, against Washington when he went down with that. Significant okay. leg injury. Yeah. Um, and then I just have my last question. Um, I know it's about to be coming up uh, for the 53-man uh, roster. How does it go about with the 16-man on the practice squad going into the regular season? How does that work? And then people on PUP. I know y'all were talking about earlier yeah. in the week, mm-hmm. but that was confusing me with how people can get 16 on the practice field but you can have your 53 active roster. Got it. I will be happy to explain that, Garrett. Thanks for the call. Uh, just uh, listen on, on the stream for your answer. Um, all right, let's try to get this very simple. So you have a 53-man roster and a 16-man practice squad, all right? The first thing you have to do is set your 53-man roster. The deadline for that is next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Those 53 men on your roster does not include anyone that has been placed on the regular season PUP list or is on the non-football injury list. Those guys do not count towards your 53-man roster. So, you put your 53 men together, then after you set your 53, then anyone that you're going to put on injured reserve can go on injured reserve. Those guys then come off your 53, okay? But anyone that doesn't make your 53 will then get subjected to waiver. So the waiver process happens between Tuesday at 4 p.m. and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Every player that gets cut goes through waivers. The waiver 
process order is the order in which the picks were made in the NFL draft last year, more or less. There, there were some tiebreakers about that might sure. be different, yeah. but that's basically the list, Get more or less. So you can go through all the players, you can claim whatever guys you want, and then you have to then release somebody from your 53-man roster, or if you put someone on IR, for example, you can then replace them with somebody you claimed off of waivers. That's your 53-man roster, okay? Then, during that same time, you're going to be negotiating with players for the practice squad. So anyone then, once the 53 men are set, and usually after the waiver claims, usually won't get the practice squad till maybe 48 hours after. Yeah, the, it probably the won't be finalized until probably Thursday. Yeah, that would be my bet too, because yeah. none of these guys want to sign on a practice squad until they know if they they've want been to claimed wait in to the see, waiver. Correct. Process. If there's any other opportunities. Correct. Yeah. So then, based on all the guys that are not on injured reserve, not on NFI, not on pup, not on a 53 man roster, those guys are in effect. Free agents, right? Because they've gone through the waiver process and all that jazz. Then players can choose to sign with any practice squad that they want. That's up to them. And they'll often sign where if their agent takes a look at the roster and they say, all right, well, we think maybe this team isn't that strong at wide receiver. This would be a good spot for you if you're a wide out. You know, this team, you know, I don't really like their two offensive tackles that are backups. If you go on their practice squad, you play well, maybe you can get there. And then the teams fill out their 16-man practice squad. Uh, There are additional rules to the practice squad. It used to be much more strict. Who was allowed to go on them? Uh, I don't have the exact ones in front of me, but there are a lot of now veteran exceptions. Yeah. For the practice squad, there's a number of them. I think four to six even, to be honest I think there may you. be four guys that have no limitations yes. on years of service. The other one, the, the rest of the guys all have to be younger guys that have X number. You can't play more than X number of games. I don't have that number in front of me. but And then that's how the teams come up with their practice squads, and that's how they then operate during the regular season. One other thing I just wanted to add, John, to what you were talking about, the Please. waiver process, vested veterans— do not, do not go, go through, through waiver waivers. Yep. Yes, Good because point. those are the individuals that have four or more years, meaning they get released and they could sign wherever the heck they want. But if you don't have four years, then you go through the waiver process, and that means you can't just sign wherever you want. Somebody could very well claim you. So that's just the differential yeah, point. in terms of the personnel as far as the waiver process plays out. So I think we explained that pretty well. Yeah, right? I think everything else. The only thing that I don't know if the caller was insinuating this part of the question was during the regular season, you can have your 16-man practice squad take part in practice as if they're members of the team. Well, that's why they're called the practice Correct. squad. Correct. No, but right. like sometimes I think people un- try to understand, well, what exactly do they do on the practice squad? They could be on the scout team. You could practice with them. You could run a variety of different things. The only thing is they're obviously not going to get a uniform unless they get called up to be an active player. And then there is that additional rule that was put in where on you can call up two players, I believe, right? Two players from the practice squad on game day, but that can only be done, I think, a total of... There's a limitation. Two or four. I'm trying to remember. It's, I one say it's four. I think I it's think. four, two yeah. over the course of the year. And once you do that, once you call them up the fourth time, you either have to sign them to a contract or release them. Yep. So that is how then you can also use the practice squad to supplement your game day roster. And while we're also throwing a, an awful lot at our listeners, a lot of numbers. <laughs> well, Sorry, because folks. there's so many yeah, different parts of mm-hmm. this. When you sign a player off of somebody else's practice squad, they yes. have to go to the 53-man roster. For X number of weeks, right? I think there's an X, I think for a certain number of weeks. Well, the bottom line is you just you can't store them on your own practice squad. That's my point. Yes. You have to mm-hmm. put them on the 53-man roster. Which so, is why you don't see that happen all that often because you're committing then sure. to that player for X number of games. I think it's four or six, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, you're making a pretty lengthy mm-hmm. commitment, and you're also kicking somebody else off, John, your own 53-man roster. Correct. To accommodate mm-hmm. that. So you have to think twice before you clearly make a move like that. All right, 201-939-4513. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, John and Lance. It's your favorite callers. <laughs> Boy, Ooh, doesn't where? he love this new process? Where? Yeah. I, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, can you please identify yourself? We're, we're not familiar with you. Oh, this what? is yeah. Charlie from Portland, Maine. Oh, okay. yeah. so you guys well, I, I figured you would call in today to talk about Daniel Jones's uh, almost perfect day as, as quarterback. Yeah, he uh, spoke to please. his sources. Yeah, he didn't have a perfect day. He, uh, two or three of those passes, they said the beat writer said would have been a sack, and I think it would have probably would have fumbled it. I was and joking. I was. Oh my god. Oh, okay. All right. No, but let, let me say this: Aziz, we Over might, we might. We might have uh, lucked out uh, with him because they, they're saying right now they think it's a calf. Uh, I don't know, you know, for sure we don't know. But why do you have this guy running sprints at the end of a practice when he's just practiced all day and he's has, 
hamstring issues, and he just got back on the field. Why in hell would they make him do that? I don't get it. I really don't. And well, I mean, once Charlie, the guys have to condition. You know, yeah. what happens if they don't condition? Then he pulls a muscle, and you're like, oh, well, these guys aren't in shape, and that's why he pulled the muscle. So, I mean, yeah, you but, know, it is what it is. But, yeah, but there was a chance that hopefully it's not his hamstring again. Hopefully that isn't. Well, you just you know? said it wasn't, according to your reports. Well, Did you not I just say it was the camp? Charlie, look, they, they, they are not, they, they not going to – they do not, especially in training camp and for preseason games. It's, this isn't the regular season where a guy's going to play through a hamstring that's not 100%, that's going to play through a calf that's not 100%. They're very patient with these guys in the offseason because they don't want reoccurrences to happen that can cause regular season games. So if they're precautious in the regular season, generally speaking, the Giants medical staff is, is, is fairly conservative and, and, and precautious in their approach to these things, they wait until they're 1,000% before they put them back on the field in training camp. Yeah, and I and I sent you a picture of um, them, two trainers helping him off the field because he couldn't get off the field on his own, Aziz. So I I, I stuck it in your uh, DM. I DM'd you on it. And, and, and you by said the you way, no, I, I've 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 not looked at my Twitter feed yet. Uh, okay. So I mean, look. The, the, and by the way, these are not these are not like suicide sprints running as fast as you can either. It's like it's I would say. Moderate running? Yeah, it's just to <laughs> get a feel running. for what it's like late in the game. Right. That's what they're trying to simulate. And the other thing is, if they give a player the green light to take part in a preseason game or a practice, I've heard tons of coaches say this, you're not then in the back of your mind going to have to all of a sudden be precautious in terms of how much you play this guy. He either is good to get on the field or he's not, period. You're not going to keep second-guessing every single decision you make with respect to a player. And if Ojolari, if this was week one and he's in in the fourth quarter, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to now take him out in the fourth quarter because you're right. worried that he's going to be put himself in a situation? So, once again, it's all relative based on the environment. Yeah, this is how you get guys ready for the longer yeah. games in the regular season. Yeah, I, I, you know, I understand. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out. Hey, I got one thing for you guys, just to make everybody in Giant Nation understand something. I just want to let people know that even though someone is put on IR... In the summer, the injury settlement, the yes, three is set, can still play this year on another team or on our team. Yes, what they yes. we, we, we went over that. We literally talked about this on yesterday's show, Charlie. I'm, oh, ha- did you? I'm happy oh, to I listen. Hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and my 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 son Miller time can actually end up back with the Giants and playing around week eight because they did the same thing with Ryzen John. Was he the last year or the year before that when they did the exact same thing? Uh, so if anybody's worried about somebody they really like that was put on the 53 uh, before, uh, I mean, yeah, put on IR before the 53 is settled, they still have an opportunity to come back. Just keep in play. mind, though they do, but just keep in mind, if you do go about that injury settlement method, then that player gets exposed to the rest of the league to sign. Yeah. Yeah, and somebody could sign him, and then, you know, they cut him a week later, the Giants can pick him up. Or the Giants have to wait, I think it's six weeks, before they can re-sign him if he isn't signed by any other team. Yeah, it depends uh, on also the state of the injury and what the estimation of the recovery time is. So Mm -hmm. it's going to obviously vary based on each and every single player. So, yes, that door certainly is open, but it's not necessarily wide open, and it's not very often that we see a lot of guys return, especially if you value the player and you don't want to lose him. You're probably going to keep him on IR, and you'll work out, obviously, the ability to pay him under those circumstances. Yeah, and sometimes the players, though, don't have a real serious injury. They may be four or five weeks to heal, and they just really want to play. So the agent just says, look, my, my guy wants to play this year. He doesn't want to sit a whole year. Sure. So that, that would be a good reason for them to do it. But anyway, let's just hope uh, Aziz isn't something is uh, hamstring again. Because if it is, we're not going to have Tibbs. We're not going to have him. And good luck, Mr. Robinson, in the secondary. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate the call, right, Charlie. Charlie. That wasn't too bad. Well, you know. Leave it to him to campaign for Andrew Miller to somehow get back on the football field Andre and represent. Excuse me, Andre Miller. Andrew Miller, former left handed yes, relief pitcher yes, for the Marlins well, uh, and Red Sox. Yes. And Andre Miller, also a former NBA point, yes, guard, point guard, too. So, Nuggets, you know, yep. you could take mm-hmm. it in a variety of ways. But mm-hmm. yes, I misspoke. It is Andre Miller. But leave it to him to look out for the well being of a former main player to somehow 
get back on the football field. Back to the calls. Uh, but first, I want to remind you that Giant Suites are also available. Don't miss it on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Back to the phones call. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys. This is Abdul from Minneapolis. Abdul, what's hey, Abdul. happening, man? Good, 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 good. First of all, like, I've given up on even trying to, like, change Charlie's mind about, you know, but not even change his mind. Like, like, ask for some, like, non-biased opinion about DJ. Like, he is so clearly biased about Daniel Jones that anything anything that comes out of his mouth is, like, not even, like, worth listening to. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> That's an accurate thing. assessment, yeah, yes. <laughs> no words out of his mouth so, uh, are any value. Very accurate <laughs> assessment. Abdul yeah, could not have exactly. said it any better than you. We may actually clip yeah. that off and put that in the intro of the program. That's how well said that was. But please, go ahead. Don't let me interrupt you. Yeah. He, he might have some valid opinions about other stuff, but when it comes to Daniel Jones, he's still blinded by something. It's weird. But anyway, um, uh, two things. If it's the first time in years that I've watched Giants football and that our uh, second and third string players are actually beating other teams' second and third team players. And, and, and it might make me think that we might actually have some depth on this team, which I was not expecting this year. It's a very pleasant surprise, uh, especially on the offensive line, um, the way they've held up the past few games. Uh, granted, it was against other second strings, but they were dominant against other second strings. So it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, which leads me to another topic about creating more depth in the NFL and how we can go about doing that. Um, I I know it's like, you know, hello? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're listening, yeah. But I, I guess there's an echo going on. Sorry about that. Um, so if the, I, I'm not sure if, when they can do this, but, you know, um, if they can, like, add 10 more players, like from, from 53 to 63, right? And it's, uh, that, that's a, probably a CBA thing. And so we could actually, like, a team won't get decimated by one or two injuries. Like, like the Cowboys. Lost the tax level, you know? Yeah, but you know what, though, Abdul, here's the thing. Like, all right, so you have 10 extra guys on the active roster instead of the practice squad, but the quality of the guys is going to be the, it's the same pool of players you're picking from. So whether that player is coming up off the practice squad or they're on the 53, the quality of the player no, is still going to be the same, and there's no one out there that's going to be able to come in and, you know, step in there for Tyron Smith or Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, take your pick of important player at a premium position. Okay, here we are here. Yeah. So at the end of when we cut down to fifty three, there'll be some players that sh- that should have made the team but didn't because they can't, right? Like say uh, Quincy Roach gets cut for um uh, for Jose Jimenez or vice versa. You know, arguably those 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 two guys could have are good enough to make the team, but by because of numbers, one of them has to go, right? Sure. And I mean that's the nature so, of the league. Right. So if you expand it, you keep both, create more depth on the team, okay? Yeah, but you can still and bring then, Roche back onto your practice yeah. squad if no one else claims him. Right, okay. I, I'm just trying to think of a way to, because, um, okay, so this, this, uh, this what, what made me think about this? I saw this graph about Giants injuries. They are an outlier, okay? The Giants injuries the past five years or six years have lost so many more players to injury than any other team. Um, and when 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 you look at a graph, it isn't that much of an it isn't that much of an outlier. By the way, it's actually pretty close to Indianapolis, Baltimore, and Jacksonville, and it's since two thousand and nine. Okay, but from the graph I saw, the Giants were ahead by a by a by a, by a gap. And usually, when you have that kind of gap, some kind of causation, right? The the the, the, the causal point. And then I looked at it, but then all these Giants injuries are happening on grass, they happen on turf, 
to contact, non-contact. You know, so it's not like they happen in one place, and that's why they, you know, sure. people want that to the truth, but it's not the truth. Well, I mean, just, and, 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 by, and by the way, just for example, uh, to your point, People want to blame MetLife yeah. Stadium? Well, the Jets are right in the middle of the league. They're like average right. in that stat. So what does that tell you? Yeah. I was just going to say that the Jets are not stuck in the same you know, injury bug as the Giants, and they play on the same field. So it's not the turf, but there's some kind of – and I, I don't know what it is, and uh, maybe it's just that people were joking that we have to uh, bone a bone, uh, burn a boat in effigy since, then, <laughs> since that one How about Charlie? boat picture. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, but but see here here's the thing, Abdul. They've in fairness, they've changed coaching staffs. They've changed strength and conditioning coaches. Three different yeah. co- strength so, and conditioning coaches. I mean, the bottom line is they've gone through changes. It's not as if they've sat back and they've just observed these numbers. So I guess my response is, and I'm looking at the same graph that John's looking at that you're referring to. What is it that they're not doing that people think is going to enable them to all of a sudden get to the front of this pack? I mean, sometimes it's right. just, it's freak injuries. It's unlucky. I mean, like, for, for example, like, like Andre Miller, like, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they announced it, but he had a cast, so you can take a, a guess. Yeah, he, he broke yeah. his arm. I mean. Yeah, they announced that in the press. You know, those, that strength and conditioning staff, they're not drinking enough milk. You got to keep those bones. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly, right? 2% as opposed you know, to 1%. Dane yeah. Belton, he breaks his collarbone. Breaks his collarbone, like, yeah. what, what are you supposed to do yeah. about that? Well, I mean, we were even talking about, for example, in the free agent class in 2016. When they made the big splash, Olivier Vernon was a fully healthy guy with the Dolphins, and then he got a little bit hurt I mean, here with Sa- the Giants. Saquon Barkley yeah. stepped on some dude's foot last Correct. year. I mean, what, I what mean, are you supposed you to just, do? You, you got to accept that sometimes that's just the nature of the beast. I'm not saying to celebrate it, but that doesn't mean that there's a crystal ball that they need yeah, to get I mean, out that's going to solve it. Anyone think Daniel Jones' neck injury last year could have been prevented by him like doing more shoulder lifts in the <laughs> weight room? I mean, come on, give me a break. An extra glass of milk, that would have well, been, yeah. Well, I... I, as I said, I think we might have to burn that boat in effigy, have a seance, you know, do some kind of stage group, something to, to, to cleanse this, this, this cloud, this injury cloud that's been haunting. I have a good idea, Abdul. This, uh, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a good job for Datino. You know, I think if someone's going to be willing to, like, do something almost illegal to try to help the Giants, I think you're looking for Paul Dottino to, to spearhead that effort. Well, on his power walk, he could, you know, spread some good mojo or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, he can, yeah. like, sprinkle the fairy dust around exactly. or something. Yeah, yeah I think sure. that'll work. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, maybe they should change the cereal. I, 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 we talked about the milk. Maybe the cereal they should yeah, change. Maybe. Yeah, Regular Cheerios right, to honey nut. Yeah. Well, and Thank you, Abdul. Appreciate the call, Appreciate in all seriousness, though, his point about – I understand what he was trying to say about depth, yeah. but I thought you brought up a fair point. Just because you extend the roster doesn't mean you're adding better quality players. And the whole point of the 16-man practice squad was initially implemented to protect from COVID, but they have kept Correct. it in place, though, John – post-COVID for the sake of depth so that you have guys in-house that are familiar with your scheme in the event that you have a last-second injury or whatever it may be. You don't have to go out on the street and grab a guy that's unfamiliar to your scheme. You bring in somebody that knows your scheme. So there's a mechanism, I would argue, that's already in place to hold on to players. And yes, they can be claimed by other teams, but I think the league's come a long way to give teams more flexibility in protecting themselves from injuries so they don't have to bring in somebody three or four weeks into the season, who has no idea at that point what they're running. Well, and that's why, for the most part, the players that make up these teams' practice squads are guys that were with that team over sure. the summer. Yeah. You'll have some guys get brought in, you some, know, maybe yeah. like, I'd say 75 to 80% of the guys are usually yeah. guys that and were with their team. Maybe two to three out of the 16, Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe four, maybe four. You know, I think the Giants, and, you know, Abdul talked about the depth in general, I do think the Giants will probably be fairly busy between Tuesday at 4 p.m. and Wednesday at 1. What? Even before the 53-man Well, roster. that's my point. Yeah. And look, and I think now it's it's as much of a numbers game as you got to play a preseason game as it is anything you need else. You X amount of offensive linemen and Right, so and you don't, yeah. want, you, don't have, you don't have to play your starting wide receivers like 40 snaps because yeah. you're just going to run out of guys, Well, right? that's more of a, re- a quick side note. I, I don't mean to interrupt. No, why I don't understand why they have the cut down of the roster. Neither do I. I, I agree What's with you. What's the purpose? I don't think but it anyway, makes any sense yeah. either. I agree with you. Um, I liked when they got rid of that during the, the, yeah, the COVID I, years. Um, yeah, I don't know how that helps at all, to be honest with you. But I think that you're probably going to see, and there'll be an over-under question in the pregame show. Uh, Paul and Jeff aren't here, so I, so I can tell you about it. I believe I put the over-under on number of waiver claims the Giants will make after the 53-man roster is set, I think, at three and a half. 
I think it's a pretty good number. I would go. I would go over on that. I think it'll be four or five. I could see it being over as well. What was it the first year with Dave Gettleman or the second year? Remember when it was they did one like year six, was like seven or eight? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was that a was lot. Huge mm-hmm. number. Well, you know, yeah. that's what happens when you get the new regime. Of course. A lot of these guys were on futures contracts based on what the evaluation of the prior personnel staff. Exactly. So now they're still here and their this is, philosophy and ideology is different. Yeah. This is when they try to put their like stamp on the roster as a whole. Also a product of not having much salary cap space, too. Great point. I think that may be even yep. more significant, yeah, John, point. the combination of that. Totally agree, because they didn't have the money to spend on players in free agencies. Now they have to you really they grab guys on. when they get yep. released. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. 201-939-4513. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Albert from Maplewood. Currently reside in Phoenix. I wanted to call in and... Appreciate you guys being on over these years since I've been out here. I really appreciate. Well, thank you for listening and calling. What do you got, Albert? Well, um, one of the things that's wrong with this country, your first caller, he said that he, um, his priorities are all wrong. He said he spent time because his wife was in the, uh, in labor instead of listening to the giants. What's wrong with that? Well, he said he hasn't been listening to the show because he just had a daughter. Yeah, What's wrong with kid. that? Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about, priorities. <laughs> so you're saying he needs to prioritize the football team over his own children. That's what you're saying. There you go, oh, Lance. I understand. There you saying. go. He, said he, he, yeah. he has messed up priorities, John. Remember, it's the team over the kids. See, this is why you yep. should not be going home tonight to see your children. Mm, it's all I about see. the team. I suggest you put in a few more extra hours after this show. And then, when you think it's appropriate that you've gotten all your work done, then you could go visit your family. That's how you prioritize. Well, yes. My, I'm divorced, so if that tells you anything. Oh, see, there you go. Now we and really now, gain perspective. Now we, I, now we think we <laughs> understand we why that might have happened. Okay, yeah, now we get it. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. And I know uh, exactly where you're well, coming from. Yeah. One more thing. Uh, John, can you elaborate more on your wife? <laughs> so... I don't know. And I give the balance of my time to Charlie. I really do appreciate you guys, though. No, I, and go I, Big Blue. I appreciate, I appreciate the phone call. All right, that was, that, was, that was something new. <laughs> that was something new, yes. We can't say we don't get characters on this show. <laughs> I know, I'm not going to elaborate more on my wife. Thank no, you. No, well, well, something tells me the fact that you went into the whole Goose and Swan song. No, okay. there's a really good chance <laughs> yes. that that gets edited out before it gets posted okay. on the podcast. All right. Well, I'm at least I was here to experience no, the story. Are, so and that's fine. I will always hold it close to the vest. In fact, yes. yeah. So if you guys are listening to this live, you heard something that people will not be hearing on the archive because when I'm done, and you're listening to this right now on the archive, you're like, what are they talking about? I didn't hear anything about geese. Well, guess what? You're not. So, Which means you should be honored that you had the ability to tune in live. Yes, and this, this is program. why you should tune in live. You there might you go. get an incentive stuff that you might not get on the on the archive because I can edit out whatever I want. There you go. The <laughs> power of Schmelk, yes. It is. It is a wonderful power. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Tim from Charleston. How you doing, guys? Tim, what's up? So so after that last caller, I will try to help put the show back on an even keel. That was a little weird. Yeah, thank um, you. But I have just a couple of comments and a couple of quick questions. Sure. One is just generally, I just feel very um, uh, positive and upbeat. Like there's, I think there's a lot of progress in depth. Obviously, there's still a couple areas where we need to pad our depth, you know, tight end, secondary a little bit. But, you know, the way the offensive line has performed and, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, but the fact that it looks like they can push the pile and, we might be able to run the ball. And the fact that Daniel has had success with these short passes, I think that's going to open up a lot of things. You know, short passes like a positive running game. So I, I'm, just, I'm just, and I think we've got a, a fantastic coaching staff. I mean, I, I just feel like all signs point up. It's not going to all happen at once. I know that, that unless we get some incredible surprises early in the season. But, but you know, I just, I'm just really, really looking forward to the season. And then I have two quick questions. Yeah. regarding personnel on the roster. One is in the last game, and, you know, obviously I'm, I'm just an amateur viewpoint watching the broadcast here, but in the tight, tight end realm, it looked like Chris uh, Chris Myrick, I think his first name is yeah. Chris. No, you're right. Um, he, uh, it looked like he was doing a pretty darn good job blocking the run, finishing and finishing his blocks, you know, like continuing to drive people. 
even as the play, I like to see that from a, a blocker, especially a tight end blocking. When even if the play's inside and the guy's down, he's still pushing his guy and driving. So I, I just I want to get your opinion on that. I'll throw the second one in. Obviously, we're all sad to see what happened to Colin Johnson. We all had high hopes for him making the team and mm-hmm. contributing. But one thing I haven't heard anybody comment or maybe ask or directly on is um, Darius Slayton. Do you think he's making the team? And do you think now be that Colin Johnson might be out of the picture? It improves his chances if you think he was on the bubble. And how much of a cap savings would that be to give us some flexibility during the season? I'll take your answers off the air. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Tim. What, did he ask about a specific offensive lineman in terms of pushing the pile? Or was it just no? It was about was Chris Myrick. That's all. Yeah, that was Got the it. only player that he was asking about. Um. Yeah. Look, I think Myrick's a pretty good blocker, to be honest with you, and I, I could see him being. On the roster on Tuesday at 4 o'clock. I think tight end's an area, though, where you might see a lot of turnover after oh, yeah. Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Remember, Jordan Aikens was one of the guys they brought in this mm-hmm. offseason. He's no longer on the team. Correct. And I will say this in terms of his Slayton question. <sighs> Slayton's salary has gone up a lot because of... Um, Final year of his rookie deal. Yes, and he also gained a lot of incentives. You know, we have the thing now where if you're not a first-round pick on that rookie contract, if you play X number of snaps, et cetera, et cetera, your contract number goes up, which is great for him, right? Unfortunately for him, that might actually work against him, right? Because the Giants are probably still going to have to find some wiggle room in terms of cap space heading into the season for potential bonuses on players, signing free agents, things like that. So that might not help his costs in terms of you know making that final roster i think he's one of the receivers fighting for one of those final few spots yeah i mean remember it's a new coaching staff so anything he did previously doesn't necessarily help him doesn't necessarily hurt him he's also missed some time he's been sidelined to get back to the question about if colin johnson is hurt does it help darius Slayton? yeah i think it does yesterday on the program john when we were having this conversation i was saying i think david sills benefits the most and we just didn't necessarily get into Slayton much but i don't think it hurts Slayton. no of course not. i mean it's another guy in front of you that was playing well not that we ever wish a guy like colin johnson to get hurt but hey one guy's injury is another player's opportunity so yeah to answer your question i do think it helps do i think he's a lock no do i think he should feel absolutely secure absolutely not but I don't know if I'm interpreting these numbers correctly, John. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't look at it if we go down the hypothetical road that the Giants would be saving an awful lot of money if they part ways with him. If you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, I mean, the dead cap is minute. No, well, no, even well, no, from well, that standpoint. Well, but, yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. You want the dead cap correct? Number you want the low. dead cap number, but even I'm looking at uh, in terms of. Um, I'm looking for savings here. Um, I believe they would have it would be over somewhere over two million in cap savings. And that yeah, that's what I'm seeing now. Which I mean, once again, I understand over two million when you don't have a lot of wiggle room, it can maybe go a long way. But I mean, the bottom line is, the Giants are not going to make a huge splash over the course of the remainder of the season, even if they have to fill in somebody for injury. That's why I think a guy like Darius Slade and also. Mm Johnny's in the final year of his rookie deal. Yep. You're not committed to him long term. Mm-hmm. If you don't like how it works out, you move on from him. Or maybe if they see a hole somewhere else and they're like, well, you know what? Maybe another team might want him in a trade. That's you fair. You can trade him and sure. then get something of value back as well. And maybe somebody who was scouting him coming out of the draft and over right. the last few seasons. Do I think that right now teams are going to knock down walls for him? I don't know if I'd go that far. No, but if you get but to if, Monday and, teams and they are have putting, an injury or something, sure. Yeah, yeah, and maybe they have some excess at a position, like an offensive tackle or something like that where the Absolutely. Giants need some help, then you yeah. can work something And out. you get a late-round pick. Hey, right. it's better than mm-hmm. nothing. No, I buy that logic. I guess I'm looking at it more from if you keep a player like mm-hmm. him, I don't think you're putting yourself beyond this season in a tough spot, meaning you try to maximize his value Mm -hmm. for this year, you see how he fits into your offense, and then if you don't like what you see, you move on. He's off the books. You don't even have to think about it. See, if he had two years left on his deal or something, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more to think about, John. I'm looking at it more of this is a very manageable situation because it's not a long-term commitment here. No, absolutely. Again, we're just going off the numbers, by the way, on spot track, so that's all we're doing. Yeah, we're just going and also going off a hypothetical conversation. Correct. And that's what it is at this point. Yeah, look, there'll be some very tough decisions they have to make next week.
And wide receiver is going to be one of those spots that's tough. We, and we talked about it in the show yesterday. Uh, real quickly, mm-hmm. though, here's the other thing. I was actually having this conversation with Paul off the air, and I think it's relevant and worthy of bringing up here. You also need to ask yourself if you're the Giants. Alex Bachman and David Sills. I want to focus on those two here for a second, John. They, because they've been on the team or associated with the team mm-hmm. over the last few years. And notice they've passed through waivers before. And you know, though, they'll get a pass through That's waivers. That's my point. <laughs> so here's what I'm getting at. If you don't think Darius Slayton's going to pass through waivers, which I would say probably not. Yep, okay, agreed. Then it makes sense, okay? And this goes through the process of the decisions that front offices have to make. You keep Slayton. And you can have all of them, right? And then you can retain those other two guys yep. very much great point. well on your practice. It's a great point. So I think that's another aspect. And this is not a shot at Bachman or Sills. It's just teams have had enough preseason film. Remember, Sills had a very good preseason last year. Mm-hmm. If you were that interested in him, don't you think a team would have made yeah, a move I remember, on him already? I believe I interviewed Sills going into the third preseason game because he had such a monster preseason game number two, if I remember right. Not, not that you mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. So my yeah. point is, if I'm Joe Shane and I'm Brian Dable, I'm saying I'd rather roll the dice in that direction, then roll the dice with Darius Lynn. Final call of the show. Call you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys. Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hello, Len. How hey, are Len. you? Good, good, good. Um, Lance, you're, you're, you're thinking too logically on that Slayton, Bachman, Sills um, story that you just came up with. Um, and there's no room for logic on this program. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it was very, it was very well expressed. Um, you, you know, if it comes down to Bachman or Sills as the sixth receiver, l- line them up for a forty-yard dash, and whoever <laughs> wins the run gets on the roster. And after the gun goes off, go get yourself a cup of coffee, and then come on back and watch them finish the race. Because <laughs> neither, neither, neither of them, neither of them have the, neither when? of them have the. Ice cold. Ice cold, Len. That coffee's not going to stay warm for very long. (laughs) I mean, there's a reason why they haven't been on an NFL roster. These guys guys can't run well enough to be on on an NFL roster. I mean, God bless them. Hey, listen, this this goes down in the small world department. Uh, The call that you, uh, I guess it was the last call that you had, and uh, talking about priorities with the Giants, priorities. Yeah, um, how you prioritize your time at at twelve fifteen at twelve fifteen this afternoon. I got a survey from the Giants. I assume it was from the Giants. Actually, it was from some company that the Giants had hired, asking me about how how I prioritize my time when it comes to the Giants. And, and kind of the summary question was: On Sundays during the season, seventeen weeks during the season, do you prioritize your your day? around the Giants game. So it kind of kind of interesting that that fellow called up and started talking about Charlie and prioritizing his time and he himself and it was the <laughs> the Giants sent this survey out today. Well, maybe that's why it was on his mind to your point. But there was a little well, flavor be, Maybe he got maybe he got the survey too. He did. Uh, exactly. Well, that's why he decided to chime in on the conversation. Though I think that came with a pill of sarcasm. At least that's how I took it, Len, in terms of his commentary. <laughs> so, just keep hey, that in the back of your mind. Li- listen, um a couple of things on on the numbers. A couple a couple of questions on on the uh, roster numbers. Um how how many transactions can you make um after the 53 is set, to, to call somebody back from injured reserve, it, it, it can't be unlimited. Yeah, you're talking about, I have to look that up. I don't know off the top of my head, Len. You're referring to meaning when you put guys on IR that then are eligible yeah. to return that miss a minimum right, of four right, games. Right. Yeah, yeah, because I it used think- to be that you could only bring back, if you remember, you could only bring back one guy. At one point, yeah. and then they expanded yeah. the years. I'll try to get to the bottom of that. I don't know the exact limitation on that, but yes, to your point, yeah, you can't bring back you know fifty some odd guys over the course of the season if that's what yeah. you're referring to. Well, it, yeah, right, and but and it does seem like we're we're kind of in a bind over the next two weeks because there probably are some guys we would like to do that with, but we're probably going to be limited on how many we can. I mean, you, you just well, like who, like I like mean, just out of curiosity, who are you referring to? Well, Belton, okay. Thibodeau, maybe even Ojolari, although we don't know. I'm just yeah, I mean, we may, we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think, with Ojolari. But I'll give you Thibodeau yeah, yeah. and Belton. I'll, I'll give you as, as potential options. That's fair. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, how about how about some of the linemen? How about the rookie linemen? Uh, um, the kid from North Carolina, Okinu. Well, you're talking about McKeithen? No, 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 not McKeithen. He's out for the season. Yeah. But what are you going to do with it, it's? I know he practiced today, but when is he is he really well enough to make the to make the 53, or do you put him on what I'll call short-term IR? I mean, you ask him for numbers of numbers of people. Um, sure. Well, just the, I looked up I the mean, number, by the way. Like with the number of as the injuries pile up right at the start of the season here, Lance, some of these guys are not going to be out 17 weeks. No, and that's more of a reason why you don't put them on IR. And to answer your question, by the way, it's eight players you're allowed to designate okay. to return. Okay. So, I mean, eight is okay, a pretty good. nice number, number one. But, like, I'll give you an example, okay? If we use Thibodeau, Thibodeau, even if you think, let's say, Len, he'll miss two weeks then yeah. there's no point of putting him on IR because he's still going to return sooner than the four games he'd have to miss if he's on IR. So right. I'd rather sacrifice the roster spot for two games okay. so this okay. way he could be eligible to return for week three. So right. that and, thinking and you, enters the equation. And, of course, you, you, you are allowed on game day to not dress five people. Sure. I mean, you got 53, you just 48. Um, let me shift to another number, Lance, on, on that 48. At, at one time... You could have a 48-man roster on game day if you had eight offensive linemen get a jersey. In other words, you can't you you can't dress four quarterbacks and seven offensive linemen and go to four and go to 48. Do you, do you remember those days? Lance? I do remember what you're referring to. Yes. Now, is that still the rule going into this season? Once again, I, that I also need to okay. clarify. That right. I'm not 100%. Okay. But I know exactly okay. what you're referring to because part of all of those things were put in place during the height of COVID. That was when they expanded right. the practice squad and all of those other factors. And most of these rules to get to the bottom of what you're referring to was carried over even after COVID. So I do believe that that still is intact and that rule well, is still in effect. Well, I think it's a good rule. Sure. Um, yeah, it allows teams to carry that second center, which is one position that you, you really don't have, you don't have covered by a backup on your 53-man roster. So, yeah, so I think that's good. One, one more thing on the tight end. Um, you know, I don't care how many tight ends we carry. One, four. Lord, one of them has to be able to block. <laughs> I mean, oh, we're going to start ripping pages out of the playbook. And I'm not just talking about willingness to block. And not just run blocking. I mean, pass blocking too. I know I, I, you know, I talked with you last week about this. I'm worried about, I'm worried about the running backs and their and their pass blocking. I, I don't see anybody in there who kind of stands out as a third down blocker. And I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen with the tight ends. And we're going to get out in week five, and we're going to be talking about run blocking and pass blocking and. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you you got to have a couple of people who can are not just willing to block, but actually, uh, you know, can block. I'll leave it with that, Lance. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, you got it, and appreciate the uh, phone call, Lance. Thanks so much for weighing in. It's a fair point, but I'll go back to the conversations we were having earlier this off season. How much are the tight ends going to be utilized? How often are they going to be on the field? If you're going to put an extra wide receiver and most of your plays call for that personnel grouping, then that, to me, cuts into the value of the tight end. And that's not to say that there's not a role or a place for a tight end, but I'll go back to, before we wrap up here, story that Brian Dable shared around the draft. And he was asked about tight ends and whether or not they're eyeing guys and their usage. And he brought up the point that last season, down the stretch of the year in Buffalo, they had one healthy tight end. They were hit by a lot of injuries. So they were dressing additional wide receivers and they were running offensive sets with additional wide receivers and they may do. Does that mean that he fully wants to adopt that over the course of the season? No, that's not what I'm inferring, but it's very possible that within this offense, they value the wide receivers on the field more so than the tight ends. Also, Kansas City's thinking has to enter into this dialogue. Mike Kafka Travis Kelsey, we know, was utilized, but there is no Travis Kelsey on this roster. Outside of Travis Kelsey, if you go back and you watch Chiefs games and you even look at the snap counts, you weren't seeing a lot of other tight ends not named Travis Kelsey on the field. So the reason I'm highlighting that, and I'm talking about other tight ends not named Dawson Knox with Buffalo, 
that could very well be influencing their thinking. And you don't keep a player at a position for the sake of keeping a player. You keep a player because there's going to be value, there's justification. If you think that seven wide receivers holds more value than three tight ends, you keep seven wide receivers. And if you find the guy over the course of the year off of waivers or an injury arises to the top tight end, you know, then you revisit the conversation. But to start, there's nothing that requires you as an NFL team to say you've got to keep X amount of tight ends. You want to keep eight wide receivers? You keep eight wide receivers. If the math works for you, the math works. And I'm not saying they're going to go to that extreme, but don't get caught up in, well, I don't see three tight ends. Well, maybe they don't see three tight ends then making the 53-man roster. I would not rule that out. And as far as the running backs, remember, Matt Breida, who is a third down back based on how he's been utilized throughout his NFL career, he unfortunately has not been fully healthy during the course of the preseason. So you haven't really seen a lot of him. Gary Brightwell also got in the first preseason game. Then he's been hurt. So you haven't seen much of him. So to truly evaluate those players, what I'm getting at in settings where there was a blocker role that called for them to take on that has been extremely limited in game settings. So I think the jury is still out in that department, but I do think Matt Breida specifically has third down back experience if you look at his previous stops throughout the NFL. And I do think that they would be confident in putting him in a passing down situation. Plus, he also knows this Bills offense having been with Buffalo last year. And remember, he was behind Devin Singletary and Zach Moss last season in Buffalo. He was the third string running back. He actually didn't get in for the bulk of his playing time. If memory serves me correctly, I want to say it was the Thanksgiving game against the Saints, maybe, they were playing. And Breida started in that game because there were injuries to the two guys in front of him. And if you're barely getting on the field and you're only getting on the field probably in passing down situations one of your primary roles is to be a blocker or at least be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. So I feel good that he fits that bill in the event that they took Saquon off the field and they had to turn to a running back in that situation. With that being said, that is going to wrap things up for us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back up and running again on Friday with the latest edition of BBKL here at 3 p.m. Eastern. John had to step out, so that is why you did not hear from him over the last few minutes. He didn't disappear, and we didn't turn off his microphone. For those of you wondering, I know a lot of you were overly concerned, so I just wanted to allay your fears from that standpoint. But we appreciate everybody tuning in. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, it's part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcasts. For John Schmelk, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. We will speak to you on Friday for the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.